Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to talk about moves that do not work. So the prophet strikes again. If you watch the CJJ event Sunday night, you'll have watched Tyru Tolo take the 155-pound CJJ crown. He looked amazing. He had four matches, finished three of them by submission and regulation. In his first match, he won by a vicious knee bar. In his second match, he faced one of Wagner Hocha's students. And Wagner Hocha's student took him all the way, and Ty ended up winning by ride time. In the semifinals, he beat Jordan Hawley really quickly with an arm and guillotine. It was a beautiful arm and guillotine. He made a couple of really nice adjustments. And in the finals, he beat an absolute monster. PJ Barch is one of the best guys in 10th Planet and easily one of the top 25 guys at 155 pounds. Well, he ended up beating him by buggy choke. And I want to talk about that buggy choke because I got them some things to say about it. But I know a couple of you have asked, did I end up betting on this event? And I didn't. I know that I said I was contemplating putting down $100 on Ty Rutolo. I think I would have ended up winning 250 So it would have been a nice little weekend. But I didn't do it. I should have done it. I was so confident. I really thought Ty was going to win. I actually thought he was going to win more dominantly than he did. Um, I thought PJ Barch was going to be his toughest match. And I guess technically PJ wasn't since, you know, he didn't finish Wagner Roach's student in regulation, but PJ was dominating that match. He was using his wrestling to put Ty in positions that Ty didn't want to be in. And Ty hit an insanely sneaky choke. If you don't know what that choke is, search for it on YouTube. I'm sure after this weekend, there are going to be a lot of breakdowns on that choke. I think Brandon filmed something with Ty Rutolo, uh, having Ty break that move down. So check his YouTube channel because um, I think that's coming out soon. But yeah, today I want to talk about moves that don't work because I was really humbled this weekend. I have said in the past that the buggy choke, that move that Ty Rutolo hit to win the 155-pound CJJ crown, he used it to beat one of the best grapplers, submission grapplers in the world. I said that move doesn't work. I've told people that move was crap. I've told people that I would never drill that move. I was adamant, you know. I take strong stances, and so I speak sometimes very passionately for or against something, and I have spoken passionately against the buggy choke. But I'm sitting here today a humbled man admitting that I was wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. And I don't know what to say because there's a blue belt. Uh, there's been a couple actually of students here that have been very interested in that choke. I've seen them have success with that choke, but it's been at the lower level. Like they've tapped out white, blue. And I think, you know, I've seen them even tap out a, a purple belt here and there. But for the most part, it, it, to me, it looked like kind of like a one trick pony. Like I, the guys that I see using it. I just really didn't think they knew how to escape. They didn't have the fundamentals, I should say, of escaping side control. And so they were having to rely on a trick to either escape or to submit their opponent. And one student in particular at 10th Planet Decatur, he was trying to spend a lot of time on it. 
Now, he's got the perfect build for jiu-jitsu. He's like 6'2", probably 160 pounds, and just super long. Like his limbs are incredibly long, and he's incredibly flexible. So he's got a great rubber guard. He's always been interested in anything rubber guard related. And when he saw the buggy choke, when he was watching um, Jeremiah Vance have a lot of success with this submission from side control, he wanted to work on it. And he was asking me questions about it. And honestly, a lot of it came from ignorance because I had never really messed with it. And I, you know, I told him like, hey, you know, I would just privately message Jeremiah. Um, you know, because I'm sure he'll have some answers for you and he'll definitely have answers that I don't have. But what I would recommend is that you forget about this choke and you really just work on your side control escapes. Well, luckily this student didn't take my advice and he just kept working on the buggy choke. And again, as I told you guys a second ago, I've seen him have success with it. And the, honestly, the last time he competed, he entered an absolute division. He almost tapped out a 320 pound um, guy um, in the semifinals of the absolute bracket. So a guy that was twice his size, he almost tapped this dude out with this choke. And it was amazing to watch. I mean, I was obviously coaching and rooting for him super hard, and I was super pumped for him just that he came that close. He ended up losing. It was an EBI format uh, absolute, and he ended up losing in – overtime but man i mean the whole crowd was going crazy because he was you know attempting this crazy submission a lot of people had never seen before and this dude was panicking i mean he was so close to getting put to sleep but what's funny is you guys know that the rutolos are some of my favorite grapplers to watch and i'm actually watching them more than ever um, over the past month or two i've really spent a lot of my jujitsu study time studying the rutolos i've been watching tons of their matches and i actually just picked up their leg pinning system on bjj fanatics bjj fanatics was having a half off deal or a black friday special where all their dvds uh, or instructionals were half off and i picked up the rutolos leg pin system it's been really helpful so far it's really it's not a long DVD. I think it's just over an hour long, but there's a couple of details because I've been really messing with their leg pins system. And there's just been a couple of passes and extra little details that I really needed. But anyways, huge fan of the Rotolo. So when he hit that move, it was kind of like a slap in the face. Like, oh man, like the guys that I'm studying a ton hit a move, you know, Cade Rotolo hit a move that I've adamantly told people not to work on. Like, what am I doing, you know? I feel like as an instructor, I've let my students down and that I need to be more open-minded and I need to become, you know, a better student of the game and have a more open mind to the possibilities of new submissions. So this episode's all about encouraging you to mess with and to experiment with new techniques. I'm a guy in the past that's always told people, look, look to the highest level. What submissions are working at the highest level? Those are the ones you should be working on. No, no, no. Don't work on that submission. Work on this one because it has a better history at working at the black belt level. But now I see that, man, that's stupid. You know, that's the wrong way to think. And so if there's anything that you're interested in working on from MNRE rolls to buggy chokes to the Hindu routine, you should spend your time developing that. Now, you should always be guided by success and failure. And again, don't judge yourself based on that. And even don't judge a technique based on that. But just allow that to guide your development. And so start with working on the white belts on this new submission. So we'll say the ninja choke. 
um, the ninja chokes on my mind because I've had a lot of people ask me questions and a lot of people starting to tell me they're having success already from the ninja choke that I teach in my instructional that you can get a little plug here. You can get on brandonmc.ninja. But the ninja chokes are one of those moves that a lot of people are like, oh, no arm darts, like that doesn't work. It's just a neck crank. And I've had so much success with it that, man, I'm a big believer in it that, again, I put it on instructional and I'm confident you can have the same success with it. So take that ninja choke and you start working with the white belts. You start perfecting it on them and you work it up just like any other technique. You work it up the belt rank system. And so, again, anything cool you see on YouTube, all right, give it a chance. You might find and stumble upon a new movement that completely levels up your game. Because here's the honest truth about that Cade Rutolo versus PJ Bart match, PJ Barch match is PJ was winning all of the transitional exchanges. He was getting the takedowns. He had already passed Ty's guard. He was on top. He was he looked like he was closer to victory than uh, than Cade was. Excuse me, I keep saying Ty. Uh, but PJ looked like he was closer to victory than Cade. But Cade had just learned. He had said after, um, you know, in an interview after his victory that he had just learned this choke. Now, at Atos, they've been calling it the pretzel choke, but it's the buggy choke. I mean, this move's been around for quite a few years. But a guy there has been hitting it at Atos. He taught it to Cade. Cade's been messing with it and having success with it. And he pulled it out of his bag of tricks to submit PJ Barch. And he needed that move. And honestly, without that move, PJ might be the champion that we're talking about today. PJ was, I mean, in my opinion, I think PJ would have probably beat him in overtime just because PJ has a lot more experience in those OT situations. I mean, Cade's never done an EBA rule format. And the experience, the EBI OT experience is crucial, um, you know, when you got two competitors going in in the finals after a grueling four match. Um, They both had three matches, and this is the final one. So PJ had all the advantages, and Cade, luckily had been drilling and working on a new movement and i'm gonna guess that kate had probably been tapped him and his brother had probably been tapped by this movement and so they were really curious to what it was and then they just added it to their game and man he used it to win honestly cjj has become the biggest tournament in jiu-jitsu like it is the most um, watched tournament in jiu-jitsu since it's on fight pass and so man this 17 year old kid probably just had the most eyes on him of 2020 that anybody's had during a jiu-jitsu match and he just won it with a move that honestly a lot of practitioners not even just random fans you know practitioners hadn't seen me and brandon talk about it all the time it's super important to have a trick up your sleeves to have one or two submissions that are really unorthodox. I've got a couple of very unorthodox submissions. I do a couple of really weird reverse triangles. I've got the ninja choke, and I've been working on a couple of really funky arm bars. But when you have that submission that you can surprise your opponent, especially an opponent that's seen everything else, he's defended a hundred Darsh chokes. I mean, PJ Barch, he trains and got his black belt under Boogie Martinez. You don't think he knows how to defend a Darsh choke? He's probably got some of the best Darsh choke defense and counters in the world. Rear naked chokes. PJ Barch has been training EBIOTs since he was a blue belt. He's been training, having his back taken and escaping hundreds, if not thousands, I'm guaranteed thousands of times. 
where Cade caught him off guard was on the bottom of side control. So if you haven't seen this match, the buggy choke takes place when your opponent gets side control. So you get your guard passed, your opponent has just secured a good side. I'm talking about a good side control, you know. That day one basic white belt side control we all learn where they've got the cross face and they've got an underhook. That's what PJ had just secured. And Ty, man... I don't quite understand the buggy choke. Like, I know he's basically getting, like, a no-armed-in triangle. But, essentially, it's basically a triangle from the bottom of side control. And, man, you saw PJ. Like, he was very, he's like, oh, man, I just passed. You saw him settle in. And then he panicked. You could see his face started to red. Like, right when Ty locked it in, he knew that he was in trouble. And he was tapping a couple seconds later. I mean, it looked super efficient. It looked like a technique that we should all uh, strive to have in our jujitsu because again, the efficiency was what really, um, you know, struck me as something that was just, it was just hit at such a high level and on such a high level opponent that, I mean, I'm thinking about adding it into my game. And it was funny. One of my, uh, purple belt students last night, I, I watched, she's a female and I watched her hit this move. She's been doing this move for a long time. And she's another one that I've kind of just a couple of times been like, Oh, you know, I would really focus more on side control scapes and, you know, working on that submission of bottom side control. But I'm already thinking about asking her multiple questions next time she's in uh, about this submission. I think the greatest example of, you know, people or a group of people saying that this move doesn't work, these moves suck, it's just the 10th planet system. I mean, that's been the narrative for a very long time, especially right when Eddie broke off and started 10th planet. Up until, I mean, even now, I mean, there's still people that say the rubber guard doesn't work. I mean, I saw um, a forum or just a, a people chatting on Reddit where Gordon Ryan had said the rubber guard doesn't work. It's a sucky guard. And it's just, I can't believe that's still the narrative. Some people still have that narrative in their mind. I mean, we just saw Grace Gundrum beat one of the top five best female grapplers in the world with rubber guard dominated her with rubber guard but there was a 10th planet guy during this cjj event that held an opponent so again cjj strikes are happening right we saw a knockout finish i guess not knockout's not the right word but we saw a a guy get finished by tko um by keith krikorian i mean he just couldn't escape keith was pounding him and the ref stopped it so we saw another 10th planet guy. He had a super match, J.M. Holland. He used rubber guard, and he didn't take one strike. I mean, we saw the effectiveness in rubber guard. Just because J.M. didn't submit him doesn't say anything about rubber guard. To me, it showed rubber guard works. But Gordon Ryan was saying that, oh, you know, rubber guard sucks because he couldn't get the finish, and all it did was hold him in place for the entire match. But J.M. didn't get hit one time and just ended up losing in overtime. I mean, Vinny Magalesh used rubber guard to win his ADCC gold medal in 2013. Without the rubber guard, he never would have beaten Fabricio Verdum. I mean, he needed that rubber guard sweep to get the points. Without it, man, I think he probably would have lost that match. One of the biggest events, and an event that, in my opinion, is going to have a special chapter in jiu-jitsu history, was just the Eddie Hoyler-Gracie rematch, Eddie Hoyler 2. Going into that match, there were so many people that the first victory was a fluke. Eddie just, it was a fluke. He got lucky that day. Hoyler's a 10 times better grappler than him. And the 
narrative by the jiu-jitsu community was Hoyler was going to embarrass Eddie Bravo. Like he was going to come in, absolutely dominate him, and he was going to prove once and for all their first match was a fluke and that 10th planet sucks. Honestly, after that match, half the community changed their mind about 10th planet because they saw all these moves that their instructors had told them for years didn't work. Lockdown doesn't work. The truck doesn't work. And they watched one of the greatest grapplers of all time get absolutely dominated by moves that they were told didn't work. And that's the reason why competition matters so much. And it's the difference between these no-touch, these fake martial artists that are using moves. Because you look, you've got to, you know, use your common sense and you've got to be skeptical of any technique that isn't in the main curriculum, right? And so if I came to you and said, hey guys, I have this new movement, right? Where I touch the neck just with my two fingers right here and I'm getting a finish. Guys are tapping. And if they don't tap within two seconds, they're falling asleep. It works every single time. Like you should look at me like I'm crazy, you know? And you should definitely test out that, you know, technique. Definitely test it out. And what you'd find is it doesn't work. If I went into a tournament and that was my plan, it's like, okay, I'm going to get this guy's back or I'm going to end up on top of mountain. I'm going to put my two fingers in this certain spot in the neck and he's just going to pass out. I would look like an idiot, right? And everyone would be like, dude, you need to stop using that technique. But if I went into competition, imagine I went into CJJ and I hit this move, this two finger neck technique and I was putting people to sleep. It was like some new little cheat code. Like everyone would want to know it, right? It would give the technique validity. And that's what just happened with the buggy choke. And that's what could happen to any movement. You take any movement. You could develop move, uh, movement at the gym. Because I think a lot of guys, especially a lot of guys that are creative, that are a little bit more off the cusp, they develop things. And I have guys come up to me all the time. Hey, you know, I've never seen anybody else do this, but I've been having success doing this. What do you think? I actually had it happen to me yesterday during the noon class. A guy, he's a brown belt, came up to me and was like, hey, I've been doing this. And he was doing some really funky like rubber guard stuff from the back. And I'd kind of seen guys do it before, but I had never done it. But it was a little bit different variation of what I'd seen. But he's been having tons of success with it. So, you know, I asked him to show it to me a couple of times. And I'm intrigued. It looked really, really cool. And that's the mentality I think we all should have is that, Look, I want and I want everyone to kind of develop things and I think that's how the sport continues to grow. You know, guys like me that that in the past where I've told people not to work on a move because I didn't think the move worked and I thought it would never work on anybody good, like that's not the right mentality. The right mentality is just like anything, you know, you take it through the scientific grappling process where you're going to start with the white belts and when you work it up and you start hitting it on the purple, brown, and black belts, it's 100% a real technique and it's 100% a movement that honestly people should spend time learning and some of these movements are hidden gems and they're honestly going to be the next part of the jiu-jitsu revolution. Just like leg locks, how leg locks were, you know, for a long time, a lot of people said leg locks don't work. Leg locks do not work. People will not tap to, le tap to leg locks or leg locks are dirty or whatever. We've seen the past couple of years competition's been dominated by leg locks. Well, who knows? Maybe bottom side control submissions really start to become commonplace in the grappling community. And if you do not know them, if you do not understand them, if you've never even messed around with them, you're in danger of getting submitted.
So let's let Cade Rutolo teach us a valuable lesson. And let's not just dismiss any technique that's a little bit out of the, the daily norm. Guys, I appreciate all the support. Man, I've been just absolutely blown away by the support and just the amount of love you guys have given my instructional. You know, a lot of you guys have said you've been hitting these moves during training. Um, I've had a couple of people tell me that they're hitting north-south for the first time. Like they, they thought the north-south was a big guy move, but watching me do it at 160 pounds kind of gave them hope that, okay, I guess it is a technique just like anything else. And they've taken a couple of the details in the instructional, and now they're starting to hit north-south. And man, as an instructor, that's exactly what I want. I really am still so confident that if you haven't purchased it yet, man, get it. This instructional will take your game to the next level, especially if you're looking for alternate paths to top submissions. Like if you're getting on top and you feel like you're struggling or your game's getting a little stale because all you're doing is looking for Kimuras or uh, Americanas or you're looking to take the mount with arm triangles. Like, look, those are all great submissions, but I'm telling you the north-south attacking system will definitely open up your game and give you more options. Until next time, guys, I love and appreciate you. Peace.